0: I will be brief because I am going to plug it again during the episode and yet again after the episode, but I am just so excited about YouTube.com slash Rubin that I cannot help but take this opportunity in this brief time we have together before the theme song, before Pat shows up, uh, to let you know that I am finally following through on my threats to start posting videos, and it's all going down at youtube.com slash Jeff Rubin, Jeff uh, Rubin. All right, that's it. That's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think if you like the podcast, you'll probably like that too. All right, I'm getting that out of the way. Here's the theme song. Ooh, and the sound is a little shitty. I am sorry about that. That is my fault. I am figuring out this live broadcasting thing. You will see what I'm talking about. I will have it for next time. Sorry. All right, here's the theme song. everybody. Welcome back to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am Jeff Rubin, and today is our annual summer movie review. I say R because I assume you know who is here. It is Pat Castles of College Humor. Uh, welcome back to the show, Pat. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me. This, I'm, I'm excited.
0: And now this, uh, people listening to the podcast might not realize that this is a new, or maybe they do realize because the recording quality is going to be worse, but this is a new uh, frontier for us. We are actually live streaming uh, we are broadcasting the recording of this live. So if you're listening to this, uh, in iTunes or as a podcast, it's already been recorded, but there are people who have tuned in at youtube.com slash Jeff Jeff and are actually watching this live. And in addition uh, to our usual routine, we're going to take some Q and a breaks and take some questions live. And I don't know, maybe that'll be fun. I have no idea. We've never done this before. This is, this is a whole new world. Um, and so I don't know maybe we'll do it again it'll be at youtube.com at my youtube channel where I'm starting to post videos quick plug okay so what is the business here Pat I believe this is our fourth our fourth summer movie review now really yeah I actually was thinking they've all been in different places. Um, I think the first year we did was right after we saw Planet of the Apes. and was at my Prospect prospect Heights apartment. And then the next year we did it at that apartment you had with Sparks. And then the year after that was in L.A. And now we're here. Now we're here in the future world of broadcasting it live.
1: 3,000 miles, four years. I think nine Fast and the Furious movies we've
0: covered, I think, in the last four years. Uh, What we're going to do... I think the first two years what we did was we went movie by movie, but last year instead uh, we sort of had a little thing where we we made up categories then we visited each category uh, bit by bit. So that's what we're going to try again this year. Let's just get right to it. First question. uh, Most pleasant surprise of your movie summer? Most pleasant surprise of your movie summer? Pat Castles.
1: You know, um, this is going to sound... Controversial, not because it's a because it's not a good movie, but but because it sounds shocking that I didn't assume it was going to be good. But uh, Inside Out, um, uh, the Pixar film,
0: yeah, Inside which, Out was on my was going to be my. I gotta warn you, by the way, I picked the same two movies, and I bet if you know one's Inside Out, I bet you can guess the other for basically every single category. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Did ins- you your answer, Jeff? Did I? No, no, no. I mean, we're gonna there's is gonna be some overlap here. Uh, what what made Inside Out such a surprise for you?
1: Well, you know, obviously, I mean, you are—I know you—you you are maybe the biggest Pixar fan I know. I think I'm—I would say I'm a, a more casual fan, but like any like anyone, I love I love their movies, and you know. But I guess you know, I'd heard—I don't know—I I, I I don't think I have the same like. I don't go ape shit over Pixar movies the way other people do, and then there was. I, you know, there were these weird whispers that they had kind of lost their touch for a year or two. Maybe they had a couple of movies that weren't quite as good as the, as their, as, as the Incredibles or as the Toy, Toy Story 3, or they had done too many right. sequels.
0: Well, they had so that I unprecedented a- run. I mean, from Toy Story 1 all the way through Up, with, uh, was pretty much a pretty flawless run. And I, I mean, some people don't like, some people don't love cars, but cars isn't bad. I've talked about this before on the podcast. So they went like 11 for 11, which is like, a, an un, again, just unprecedented. And then there was Cars 2, which brought it all to a screeching halt. There was Brave, which was kind of, I think, mixed reaction. And, uh, Monsters U, which I actually think is pretty good, but definitely like lesser. Uh, it's just not. It's it's pretty good. I actually think it's very good, but it's it's not even close to you know the Finding Nemo's and the Incredibles of the world. And then they took a year off, I believe. And then they took a year off, and we're getting two Pixar movies that year. That brings us to the present. So it had been a while since they'd done it.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I a lot of those movies you just mentioned those sort of those last year or two of movies that I haven't seen Brave. I haven't seen Cars two. I haven't seen Cars one. So like I I, I had I, I I feel guilty like. Because I, don't even, I didn't have any justification from having seen those movies. I just, it was, I was all hearsay to, to go in with anything other than just the best of expectations. But I, nevertheless, I kind of went in being like... And it was also, you know, the, the concept, as, of, as fun as it is, like, it's not... They didn't invent it. There have been other, like, shows and movies and things that have been like, what's... There are little captains, you know, there's an Eddie Murphy movie from, like, three years ago that had that same concept. Um, but the execution <laughs> of it—what uh, was all it, great Dave? Classic, I think it was
0: Dave. it was Dave. No, Dave is the vice president movie, but it was something—it was like Spaceship Dave or something like that, wasn't it?
1: Right. But it's all about execution. Like Pixar just shows yeah. how. Like,
0: so I walked out of the movie. I was literally like. Angry at myself that I ever doubted them. for Yeah, a second. It's, it's such an ambitious movie. It's so ambitious, and what makes it different uh, when I when I first heard about it? Am I talking I've, too loud, by the way. No, no, we're great, we're great. When I, I first did. heard about IVS, yes, I don't know. <laughs> when I first heard about it, I um, I. You know, I was—I of course thought of the classic Disneyland attraction, Cranium Command. I thought of Herman's Head. Um, but what makes Inside Out a little different is that it's specifically about emotions, and they kind of get at some of the others. You know, there's some other brain stuff in there, but it's very specifically about emotions, which makes it like just by default a more uh, mature movie than frankly most, like even non-animated movies. And here's how I want to describe the the quality. Here's here is. How I just would review Inside Out is I would say it is on the very impressively long list of Pixar movies that you could realistically argue are the best Pixar movie or are by that, by extension, the best movie ever. So. Like, I, I can't tell you if Toy Story is better than Finding Nemo, is better than Up, is better than WALL-E. They're basically all perfect movies, and yeah. you're going to have to make—you're going to have to sort them yourself. You're going to have to look into your heart, and you're going to have to sort them yourself. <laughs> yeah. uh, but And I think Inside Out is on that list. I think Inside Out is worth talking about in the same conversation um, with— you know uh, the Incredibles. What are we missing? Ratatouille. I think is basically a perfect movie. Um, or you could, ar- you know, now I have my picks, but I think you could argue that Inside Out is as good as Wall-E, is as good as Monsters Inc. And that's like that's a that's very high praise. I bet if you ask anyone to
1: list their top five Pixar movies, no one's going to no one's going to have the same exact permutation of those five. But they're all going to be the same five, just in a different order. You know what I mean? No,
0: I don't think that's right. I think people will pick different ones. Like, some people love Ratatouille, and some people. I think they've got. I think they probably have a dozen movies now. The three Toy Stories, The Incredibles, uh, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, uh, Up, Wally, Inside Out. I'm up to nine. What am I missing? I can't quite see my DVD shelf. I'm missing something. Um, oh, you know what I'm missing is Cars and Bugs Life, which are just, like, I think those don't make the list. But any of those nine, I think, are just as good as each other. And, like, uh, you know, I I would expect to see any of those on anyone's list.
1: So then that nine, I feel like that... What I guess what I feel is that I'm, like, I'm agreeing with you. I think that, like, the... Um, there's a certain... Per, they're, they're all so good that I think they all kind of... They're, they're all... So amazing that it just becomes a, it it becomes a lesson in just like, who are you as a person? What what your favorite, the order in which you like those nine classics um, is about who you are as a person because they're, they're all so good and they all get you in such unique ways. Um, but it'll it'll probably always be those nine, you know, just in a different order for everyone.
0: Yeah, I usually say The Incredibles just because, like, I like superheroes a lot, and I just needed a way to pick one. You know, I just I just needed a way I just needed some clue to point me in the right direction. The
1: so, Incredibles is kind of my favorite, but I, when I think about it, it's like I didn't like The Incredibles is it's. It's like, t- it's one of their best movies, like on a storytelling level and on, just like on a fun level. And like, it's maybe my favorite too, but it's also like, I didn't cry during The Incredibles. I actually didn't cry during I, th- This is the first one I actually ever cried at. That's, that's what really put it above the bar for right? me. Yeah. I didn't cry up or anything. But like, this one, I, I cry, and I cried, I was like, not even cry, I'm not gonna cry as my word, but I was I was overcome with emotion, not even in the in the beginning, before even the beginning of the movie. Like when they're just showing that montage of her life, it was just so, you know, what? Because also, I mean, every to- every Pixar movie, all these great ones, they're all so emotional, and they're all so about emotions. Um, but this one, because it's literally about emotions, it was like it was like mainlining it into your veins. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. I cried. Up is the one that I remember really getting me. Like the end of up when. He puts the Ellie pin on her. God, I I hope it's okay that I'm spoiling (laughs) that I'm spoiling up when he when not even like which is like really the coda on the ending when he shows up and he puts the pin on and he gives him the Ellie pin and says he's in the Ellie Club. I was like, I hope this movie is ten minutes has ten minutes to go because I am not prepared to leave the theater at the moment. I need I need to compose myself. Let's move on because I'm sure we're gonna get back. I'm telling you, we're gonna get back to Inside Out. Um, Let me tell you one of my biggest pleasant most pleasant surprises of the summer. Uh, Mad Max, which I think actually is one, another movie we're going to be talking about a lot. And two, I think also hits your pleasant surprise, is similar to your pleasant surprise in that I certainly thought Mad Max would be good. But I didn't know quite how good it would be. I didn't know it was going to be like instant all-time classic. Uh, Yeah. Kind of in the way that Inside Out was. And it really was. And, um... Boy, I've been waiting all summer to talk about Mad Max. When people tell me that they didn't like Mad Max, I straight up consider it a personality flaw. I think that is your problem. Like You have done something wrong. I The movie is so good. Let me arm you uh, to, to talk to someone who says that they don't like Mad Max. People say it's just a car chase, which I think is crazy. I, they say there's no story. There is a lot of story in that movie, but what's cool about the movie, beyond all the action scenes, is that the story is, like, they never stop and explain what's going on. But uh, when, and this is that's I like... Think, the- that's like saying Lord of the Rings is just a hike through the woods. Right, I mean, even Lord of the Rings, I mean, this is, it's non-stop. And they don't stop to tell you the story, uh, but what they do is... In, for instance, and this is like in the first ten minutes of the movie when you see, oh my god, what is the bad guy's name? It's so good. Um, uh, Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. That movie and the names in that movie. And when you yeah. see Immortan Joe in the beginning and he's like running through his own private garden and you see that he has like his own private grand piano, that story like you kind of get a, a, a A sense of what has happened in this world and like when you think about that movie I can't remember specific stunts when I think back to that movie but I think about like um, all the little details and like all that it implied about like the world that they lived in and I think something you and I like to talk about a lot is like when directors have like thought about their movies to an insane level that isn't even isn't even actually showing up in the movie and I think Mad Max is all that it's all that like there's that one scene where they drive by and you just see these weird walker creatures with like tents on their back and it's never discussed no one explains how it works but I guarantee if you talk to George Miller and you're like what's the deal with those he knows exactly what the deal with them is how they got there what their role in the society is it's just like dripping with detail
1: Totally, it was really, really good. I mean, it was such a. I mean, I think that the, 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 it was one car chase, but to me, it's super impressive. It was a great lesson in how little you, how much story you can tell. I mean, I think without actually through movie making, through set design, through just in 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 you know characters and, and little moments. And I think you and I, we, we always talk about this when we, because we see a lot of sci fi films. I think we both have. Yeah, and a lot of uh, I think a big pet peeve we both have, or a big sign for us when a movie might not be good, is when it has a really long like narr- narrative introduction where it's like, in the year the, the third age of man this began and then that began and then three thousand years later, like because that just says that they made to me that says they made this movie and they realized it didn't the world was not, they didn't it didn't make any sense no one got the world. So they kind of had to set the scene. But you didn't need that in this movie. I mean, and Mad Max has never needed that. They've always been, it's always been like very skillfully um, ambiguous, but at the same time so uh, detailed and without any, I mean, there's some narration in the beginning, but like just the bare minimum. And yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me a snowpiercer in that way, in a si- similar way. Like you get like, you know that what happened in the backstory, but like it's you really just learning car by car little other little nooks of this world and this and this reality
0: yeah and i guess the reason i'm filing it under pleasant surprise is because you know i love i i've actually recently revisited the mad max movies i hadn't really seen any of them um from beginning to end And about a year ago i watched them all and they were great so again like i knew it would be good but like it's probably the best one by a lot and i think it's uh just a real like you walked out you you were like, this movie is never going away. Like people are going to be dressing as those characters at Halloween's and Comic Cons just forever. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they- I, I've already I've already been seeing uh, what's her face is uh, a bunch of um, what's her name, Charlie Theron's character, uh, uh Furiosa. I, yeah, Furiosa. I saw a couple of those at, 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 on like. Comic-Con, I mean, um, Comic-Con slideshows. But you know what,
0: and people have been doing Mad Max since and since the movie came out 30 years ago and in some ways it feels, you gotta remember when you watch a Mad Max movie that Mad Max invented this shit. Like, that's what really struck me when I watched Road Warrior, which I didn't really know that well as a movie, but watching it recently, we're like, oh my god, like, Mad Max is the blueprint for so much sci-fi that came after it, for so many so many action movies that came after it, and uh, to live up to that legacy is, is really quite impressive. The other reason it made my pleasant surprises list, even though like I think people kind of expected it to be good, is because when I look, and we probably maybe even could have opened by mentioning this, when I look at the list of movies that I saw this summer, which I have handy somewhere, um, none of them were pleasant surprises. None of them, like, I didn't think I saw anything that was, uh, like, a real, adeno- like, I thought it would and I saw a lot of movies, and I don't think I saw anything that like I don't think I saw I didn't see a lot of movies that were terrible, but I also didn't see anything that like really rose above and like um like that first summer I remember when we saw dawn of, the first summer we did this when we saw we had just seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which like came out of nowhere to be this incredibly great movie, and I don't know that anything did that. I mean, came out of nowhere. You know it's what? No, no,
1: no, no. Part of that is, is like man, that Planet of the Apes came out. That was we saw that the day we recorded the podcast. It was so that came out. That, that was a late surprise. Mad Max was kind of the opposite. It came out in so early in the summer, and nothing really lived up to it in yeah. terms of blockbuster action movies. Yeah, like, it really
0: cast a long shadow. Do you have any other pleasant surprises?
1: Um, any other? I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, I would, I would second what you said in terms of Mad Max in the sense that, like, but I went into it, like, expecting—it it lived up. I mean, I, I, I went into it with such high expectations, and it completely lived up to them, and the fact that it did so well— um, was a surprise but I, you know it wasn't like a it wasn't a play, it wasn't like a um I don't know. I, you know, it, it, I was surprised how effectively it just did exactly what I thought it was going to do. In terms of other pleasant surprises, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Oh, um, well. I don't. I, 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 can I can I say it if it's an answer for a different answer?
0: Yeah, I think so. Basically, um, all ex, my answers are Mad Max yeah, and Inside really
1: Out. out. You kind know, Ex Machina is that kind of low key sci fi film. With yeah, the,
0: Ex Machina is one. The surprise is that you probably didn't know was coming out a year ago. You know. Yeah. Like,
1: it was it was, it was, and for some to come out in the, to come out like you know in, in
0: more or less the summer...
1: I, and I love sci I love those like low-key sci-fi it's sort of the op- it's the anti-Mad Max you know yeah, like yeah, yeah.
0: one location but that, even still like that, that's kind of I think probably the small indie hit of the summer I think and like yeah. to, that, to call that a small movie is kind of silly because like there is a robot woman in it and like you can see through her torso and like you know um, yeah you're right you're it's totally like true. it's not exactly a, a small art house film even though it's like a sw- there's three characters it's a small very smart movie like that that is as small as movie gets now that movies get now I think is like indicative of how big they've grown the thing about Ex Machina for me and then we gotta move on we got a lot of questions to get through but the thing for Ex Machina for me was that uh I, kind, I liked Ex Machina, but I actually thought it was about as good as an average episode of Black Mirror. Black Mirror, of course, being the British uh, sci-fi series, uh, which is an anthology, and there's six episodes, so each episode's almost like a little movie. And um, I know Pat's a big fan of them. I'm a big fan. Some are, some are amazing, some are not so great. I'd say, I'd, if Ex Machina was an episode of Black Mirror, I'd say it goes right in the middle. It's an average episode. I'd be putting aside how good-looking the movie is, because it's a really good-looking movie, much better-looking than a TV show would be. Um, But just in terms of, like, plot and impact and making me think about it, um, that's where I put it, which is pretty good. Like, I love Black Mirror, but I I still – so, like, to be, you know, to be as good as that is definitely a recommendation from me. Um, But I don't know. I think that if you hadn't seen either and you were interested in science fiction, I would recommend getting into Black Mirror first.
1: I hear you. It's definitely more like – I mean, there was nothing in it that was – that blew my mind in terms – I mean, it's not – it was about AI and about, like, the more, you know, the w- what is it to be human or what is the... And it's not the first movie to do that. It, didn't, it actually didn't unpack anything mind-blowingly new about that argument to me. Um, it, it was more of a triumph, I think, of, like, style. And, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. and a sm- there's a lot of detail. I mean, I, I, I think we'll get into this later because I, I have some other answers. This will come up in other answers, so I, I can I can hold off. But, yeah, that was a kind of an unexpected surprise that landed
0: um there's another one but i feel like that can there's a question about movies that don't have explosions that are good right uh no we took that out because i didn't see any movies that don't have any explosions this year can i say
1: one more then because yeah was, yeah throw it out there to say it to lead into this um because uh speaking of sorry to dwe- we're we'll get out of this question soon i promise but when you mentioned uh mad max um how you've been waiting all summer to talk about it um Just you would love this because like two two or three days ago, John Gabriel, who I think listeners of your podcast will probably know, he um, has
0: he has his own podcast now. Go, it's called High and Mighty, yeah, Yeah. on on Jake and Amir's network. Very excited
1: about that, yeah. Um I was like, we he we haven't seen each other like all summer, and he he was on set like two or three days ago in our office, and he like and he's you know he's a big guy. I, I looked up and he was like like just bolting toward me. Cause he was like so anxious to talk about Mad Max. And he was like, we kind of both had a moment of like, how would we not talk about Mad Max? You know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean, you'd love yeah, yeah. The way we do. And you'd love talking about them the way we do. It was like, <laughs> it was like an almost tantric level of expectation to talking about this movie. Um, so I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, with the the how ex- how fun it is to to
0: to relive that movie. But anyway, um, there's a shot in Mad Max. We could just talk about Mad Max for an hour. There's a shot in Mad Max where there's a dude on the ATV and he throws a grenade behind him at the camera. And I saw the movie in three D. This shot is less than three seconds for sure, maybe even less than two. And it kind of like I maybe flinch a little bit, you know? Like, and I've Correct. never had that before in a three D movie where I'm like so in the car chase that I'm like actually flinching. I've seen so many three D movies throw so much shit at me trying to get that reaction you know like yeah. they, they, they that's what they want you to do and for Mad Max it was just like this quick shot in the middle of everything I mean it's like maybe the 100th most impressive shot in the movie but it, that's how good that movie is That like you're just like you're you're really in it
1: and it's funny I uh, we were just talking about this I was talking about this with um, uh, a friend of mine um, we had just seen uh, Mission Impossible 5 and there's a,
0: there's a car chase in that that I thought was very good, like a motorcycle chase that, uh-huh. I, really, that I found myself invested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that too. But with That I, motorcycle chase. Because
1: it's, it's, car chases, like, um, if you kind of don't really pay attention to them, they're all kind of the same thing. Totally. Right? They're and so
0: boring. I'm not a big car chase person. Right. like When so they, when they cut so to the actor behind the wheel and he's like looks real tense and he's like you know driving intensely. But it, it's such an interesting. I'm fascinated by that art of like why does
1: that? Why does one make me put me on the edge of my seat and another? Not and I th- even when they're spent, they're spending the same amount of resources and have a lot of talented people working on them. And I think it's obviously The answer is obviously some weird mixture of directing and editing and all that stuff and and, and writing. But like so anyway. Uh, but um, what are we
0: talking? I got off track. I'm sorry. Let's move on to our next category. Okay. Anyway, we, oh, wait. We got this to- other movie. I gotta mention this other no, let yeah, me it's a movie. What's the movie? movie what's the movie? The
1: other pleasant surprise of the summer, which is like it did come out this summer, but it's only on Netflix. It's a documentary about the making of the island of Dr. Moreau.
0: The Val Kilmer movie? Yes, the Val Kilmer Marlon Brand. Wow, I saw that movie in theaters. Isn't that uh, sad?
1: <laughs> very sad. I, I only saw it after. I never saw it. I only saw it after this documentary because the documentary – And it's, it, I, I brought up Gabriel's because that's another movie we both recently saw that was amazing. I can't remember the name of the documentary, but if you Google like – if you just search like Dr. Moreau on Netflix, it'll come up. I wish I knew the name of it. I'm so sorry, but – that was—it's a really—it's just—the making of that movie was, like, just the most insane—it's like a heart of darkness, kind of like, you know, Apocalypse Now level of insanity on that set. Um, with all—again, I guess Brando, all his movies are crazy, but— um, that's the other one. Sorry, we can move on. I but, didn't mean to. Well, keep that you know, note, but.
0: I actually have. I'm sorry. I actually have my own last comment about Pleasant Surprises. Well the reason I think I'm dwelling on Inside Out and Mad Max is when I look at these lists of movies that I saw, and I'll, I'll tell you what I saw in a second. There's nothing I really hated. Um, there's a there, uh, Tomorrowland was a bit of a clunker. But everything else that I'm looking, there was nothing that was bad, but there was nothing that was good. And a new thing for me with movies is, uh, a new a new rating I'm assigning to movies is definitely bad and definitely not bad. Like, Jurassic World, which I liked, it's definitely not bad. Like, it's watchable, it's very difficult to disagree with that movie. Um, you know, it doesn't mean it's good, but it's definitely not bad. And it's like, it's not quite mediocre even, it's just like... It's competent, yeah. it's good, you, you can't hate it. And that's how I felt about a lot of movies I saw this summer. Just run you on the list, Fury 7 I'd say that applies to, Avengers 2, Tomorrowland is definitely bad, unfortunately. We'll talk about that. Jurassic World, definitely not bad. Ant-Man, definitely not bad. Mission Impossible, definitely not bad. Like, none of those movies made me extremely enthusiastic. Avengers came pretty close, but I would say that they're all definitely not bad, which is, like, such an unexciting reaction, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it's, like, I think it's, I think because audiences have become I think Marvel's a big part of this and 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 the rise of like how science fiction is much bigger now and all these like action movies people are kind of more okay with liking action movies in a way they weren't uh smart people are more okay with it it's like we've kind of like solved the action movie we know how to we know how to make an action movie not suck which yeah, is, which is good, I guess, but kind
0: of boring. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we got a lot of this summer. Um, and Mad Max really stood out from that. All right, let's move on to best performances. I got one I'm going to throw out there. Uh, the supporting cast of Furious 7 is my selection for best performances. Yeah, which, that's a great answer. Which is, there? those people... Who is who's the jokester? Uh, Tyrese, right? That's Tyrese. Yeah, he's the funny Like, one. like the, those the people in that movie are like not good actors, and that they are are they're not the best actors? Let's say they're fine actors, but they're certainly yeah. not the best actors. Like Tyrese is not the funniest guy you can put in an action movie. But that they've like built this weird like quasi family, which is the theme the new movie, of course, really hit on. Um, it's just like, and I don't actually like I did not like Furious Seven that much. I kind of felt like. Um, I didn't understand the plot, which I know is a silly thing to complain about with a Fast and the Furious movie, but, like, Fast and the Furious 5... They gotta steal a safe. That's all I need to know. Like, you don't have to do more than that. Uh, Fast and the Furious 6, they gotta catch the guy. It's like, fine. Fast and the Furious 7 has all these confusing, like, it's kind of yeah. unclear, like, what the bad guy wants. And then, um, Dijmon Hanzu shows up, and it's like, why would he even be invested in this? And they're, like, trying to get the device to find Jason Statham, but Jason Statham finds them while they're trying to get, like, it's just not clear why anyone is doing anything in any given scene. It's, but it goes down easy because the, the cast is just. Just so goddamn pleasant to spend time around.
1: I like that. I think that's a good answer to go to Tyrese. I think that when he says the funny one, I think you're right. But like, I think the movie's definition of the com- of, of the funny one is just I don't think he ever tells a joke in that movie. It's All just like him being like, "We're doing what? <laughs> yeah. uh, like, what am I doing? I didn't want to do this," you know? Yeah, yeah. Being yeah. Scared or him being like incredulous is so it's. Um, but also, I think I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, certainly Vin Diesel. When you think about it, like he really—grounds um, gr- is not the right
0: word for a movie where like you could punch a plane. In <laughs> yeah, it is, that movie is the opposite of grounded.
1: But like he he does have a lot of weight on his shoulders, um, which is why they're enormous shoulders. But he he does it. Like you know, he definitely like knows his job and seems to like he, he he's able to kind of take it all really. No matter how crazy it is, he, he's good at, like... It's it's like a quality of being a meathead to a certain extent. It sounds like I'm being, like, passively insulting of him, but, like, it's... I'm actually... I, yeah. I've been watching this. It's a random show to mention. I don't know why, but, like, I've been, my friend and I haven't really been to this show, *Wayward Pines, which was big this fall or whatever, this <laughs> summer. It's this weird M. Night Shyamalan-produced sci-fi show, but it's has the craziest premise in the world, and, but Matt Dillon is the star of it, and he's so, like... Thick? I don't I feel like I'm being so insulting. I'm sorry, but like no matter how crazy it is, he's just like he's like, You're saying like we're like living in a different blah blah blah, you know what I mean? And he just yeah. sells it. And then Vin Diesel has a similar quality. Like he has the same reaction to everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's sometimes
1: a bad thing, but sometimes it's a really good thing.
0: I mean, uh, you know i i would uh really encourage people to go read i thought one of my favorite pieces of film writing i of, of all the coverage of these movies that i read this summer was darren franich who's been on this podcast wrote a great piece about fast and the furious kind of like breaking it down i think it was like the hundred things to know about fast and the furious 7 or something like that and a point he made that i thought was so smart was that um a lot of these superhero movies are about these like Larger than life characters Like Iron Man But being very grounded Like What are the Avengers like? They're like a bickering workplace You know Like the Iron Man 3 poster Is literally Iron Man Falling to Earth And it's like Uh, Captain America, you know, all these people are just like, they're real people, you know they're superheroes acting like real people Fast and the Furious is the opposite, they are like purportedly real people, but they can jump out of planes, they can like survive parking garages collapsing on them, you know like they're real people who are living extraordinary lives, I really recommend go reading that, He, uh, he has a lot of really I mean, it's incredible how, but you can pull apart the Fast and the Furious franchise. I actually went back and re and watched, not rewatched, watched for the first time this summer. Uh, Tokyo Drift. I watched Tokyo Drift, and uh, it was it was pretty good. It's pretty good, you know. It's the exact same movie as Airborne. You know, the '80s movie Airborne with the rollerblading. It's like yeah. that, but with drifting instead of rollerblading. Like you know, with like the there's like a, the big race at the end. It's it is pretty good. I can see. Um, it feels like it's
1: kind of like the um, it's the. It is to the, like, Fast and the Furious 3 is to the, the Fast and the Furious franchise as Halloween 3 is to the Halloween franchise. Like, it's sort of like, it, it's, it's kind of in its own, you know, it's not, it's it's not it, it's the same universe as we've learned, but, like, at the time, it felt like a different universe.
0: You know, uh, one more Darren Franish thing I'll tell you about that, that he pointed out this summer was that he called, uh, cause I just like quoting Darren, he called um, Fast and the, he called Too Fast, Too Furious... No, wait. He called Mission Impossible three the too fast, too furious of the Mission Impossible franchise, and that it is a largely forgotten. Uh, it's 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 not the, anyone's favorite of the set, but it like infused. It's kind of soft rebooted the series and infused later installments with like a wacky tone. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that that, that resonated with me. What That's about you? Such a, like that,
1: that. I I think I, I I know I think I know what he means. I ha- he's right that three doesn't get a lot of credit because one is one. Yeah. it's John Woo, so, like, you're never going to forget that one. Yeah. Three was kind of, yeah. And it's also J.J. Abrams, who's an amazing director, but also, like, he's sort of, I mean, he's doing Star Wars. I, I don't, I can't, it's hard, I can't to say something bad about J.J. Abrams, but, like, he's so, he's kind of, in certain ways, the opinion, I think he's part of that we've solved the blockbuster problem. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I, I like... Uh, I actually like Mission Impossible 3 quite a bit, but, like, I'd, be, I'd struggle to remember to tell you what the plot was. I kind of remember Philip Seymour Hoffman being there. But, like, Mission Impossible 4 and 5 definitely took cues from Mission Impossible 3, even though 3 is not, I think, going to be as finally remembered as 4 and 5 were.
1: I wish that... Um, I, I, The one thing about the... I, I, I thought this... Uh, after I saw 5, which I I, I liked 5, and I thought it had some awesome sequences and, and it was fun, but... It, I'm all, every time the last three <laughs> three four and five are have all been a little homogenous to me like I kind of totally. like I kind of want him to find another John Woo like just get a fucking maniac in there to do his own movie just but you know that's not that Tom Cruise does it's probably you don't get to five movies if you just only hire John Woo but It it made me a little. Uh, uh, This was one where
0: I was like, hire someone crazy. Yeah, it was. It does feel like five is probably the samiest of the Mission Impossible's. Like all of them, always felt like the director was always like a really distinct directorial stamp. And five has touches of that. Like that opera house scene is pretty good. It's hard to say what Christopher McQuarrie's directorial, um, you know, what what his trademarks are. I know you and I, of course, saw Jack Reacher, which is true, Pat. And I did watch Jack Reacher at one point, but. um... You know, I was actually thinking about Jack Reacher and how it's like a little like even though Jack Reacher isn't is definitely not good. I'd file Jack Reacher under definitely not good. Like, I think if you're arguing Jack Reacher is good, you're fighting a losing battle. But there are parts of it that are like do stand out. Uh, the casting of Werner Herzog is one. And then two is the scene where he makes that dude eat his own fingers. Remember that? Like, there's like a few cool moments in Jack Reacher that made me think that uh, there's yeah. like a good movie in there trying to get out. McQuarr- right. I think Macquarie wrote um, "Edge of Tomorrow," right? I don't know if that is true. That would be uh, awesome if it were true. What about you? Best performances of the uh, summer?
1: Um, the one that I singled out. I'm, I'm sorry to keep mentioning the same movie, um, but I thought that Oscar Isaac's performance in Ex Machina was really good. Yeah, it um, was really good. Everyone, I, hope, was I know these are not these are not to keep mentioning the um, this one specific movie, but um, I thought, he, the reason I I mentioned that one is because um, he, I thought it was such a fascinating choice he made in that, um, you know, he plays this like Steve Jobs ass tech billionaire who's a little like weird, but he made these, they made these cool choices where he's not like a nerd, he's super buff and like loves to work out and he's bald and has this beard and he's very like masculine. Uh, and like like boxes and stuff when you first meet him, and it's kind of very sexual. And I thought that was a, a really cool, not normal choice. Mostly in any, any movie where the, the villain is a computer genius, you're getting like some kind of either some kind of weird, like, uber nerd or some kind of Mark Zuckerberg esque, like, Aspergery personality. Um, and I thought that, I just thought that it just stood out to me as like a very different choice. Um, for that type of character And it, it was kind of a cool Like it just sort of To me spoke to like A different kind of um, Villain Different kind of Computer villain It was very It was very um, Not cliche Which I thought was Kind of cool And it was just, There's also a scene In that movie Where it's it, It's a, the weirdest scene In the world Where he dances With the robot Remember that scene? Yes 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 And it's I, fun. It
0: was, I loved it I thought it was yeah. so
1: random And so crazy Like And I, I just love shit like that Where it's like I'm, I'm It's just right up It just really hit Hit something for me uh, the other one would be I uh, would go back to Mad Max. I thought Charlize Theron. And I Mad considered Max.
0: mentioning Charlize Theron, who I thought it's the movie is called Mad Max, but like she is in it at least as much, and she like I think that's something that's part of what was so pleasantly surprising about that movie to a lot of people is that it's almost Furiosa the movie, and that she is totally great and like immediately iconic and will be a Halloween costume just forever. Yeah, she just I was saying about her performance that is I I I love her. I don't know. I just came in that
1: movie being like I said this to you. I, there are very, it's funny, uh, Owen was visiting recently, and, like, he went through IMDb and challenged me on this, but, like, and there's a couple I realize that I'm not crazy about, but, like, there are very, very few Charlize Theron movies that I don't like. Like, she has a really, really tight, right? If you look at her IMDb, it's kind of, mm. like, really impressive. Like, even The Devil's Advocate, like, with one of her earliest movies... Is like I love *The Devil's Advocate*. It's like a cool, even when she's playing, just kind of a, and it's weird. She goes crazy in the movie and like cuts her body up with like a knife or something like that. So it's like it's a very, um, you just look at her. Even when they're duds, like she did the *Eon Flux* movie, which I'm not crazy about, but like, but she made or *Prometheus*, which I know is like not everyone's favorite movie, but like she just makes not boring movies, yeah. But like to, to 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 choose *Prometheus* instead of like you know the like Gerard Butler romantic comedy, I think is is. Is a totally, I mean, not that anyone would say no to a Ridley Scott movie, but like, I I think she has a lot, I'm sure she has a lot of worse movies that pay more and seem like safer bets presented to her. And she's like, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this action movie from this Australian director who hasn't really made a, a, who hasn't made a really like, you know, sexy looking movie in, you know, 30 years. Yeah. And it was was such a success. And I'm sure that, yeah, anyway.
0: Let me quickly. Prime the audience watching live. We are about to hit the first Q&A break, and we're on a bit of a delay, so I want to get them asking questions so they're ready to go when we're over there. Um, I'm going to take the 30 seconds that hopefully they will use to write questions, which hopefully will be about movies, by the way. Q&A about summer movies. Uh, George Miller, if you haven't seen it, uh, what a, first of all, what a weird resume. He's basically got three franchises, Mad Max, all four of them, um, Happy Feet, both of those, and... And then, um, uh, what was I going to say? What's what's his other thing? Oh, Babe. He did Babe and, and which is obviously everyone loves Babe, but also Babe Pig in the City, which I recently watched for the first time. I had never seen. This is not a summer 2015 movie. But if you've never seen Babe 2, do yourself a favor and go check it out. It is an insane movie. Um, I've never seen it. Oh, it's like, it stars animal. It, he goes to like a, the plot's not even worth talking about, but the setting is that he goes to a city Um, that's like kind of a miniature city that has all these landmarks from all over the world it's like very almost Tim Burton-y but very unique design and it's populated by animals and like the whole movie stars animals like it takes place in their world and it's got there's one scene that I remember where like a monkey puts his head on his pregnant monkey wife's belly and like listens to the baby and it's like a very yeah. soft tender scene and I was like this is a fucking insane movie this is a crazy movie I'm watching right now Um, it's, it's suddenly very violent at points it's just like the best acted—it's by far the best thing starring animals. Like you know, like those old six uh, '60s shows, like Secret Chimp or whatever. And like, yeah, yeah. It's like the best thing anyone will ever make starring animals because they made it right before CGI. Like, it looks like it—it it looks like it was insane to make. All right, I've got my babe pick out of the city recommendation. Um, uh, let's go to the comments. Let's see. Uh, let's see what we got I'm so first. Excited. So here's a good one. Age of Ultron, this is from Dres- Dresbo. Dres- hey, Dresbo. Dresbo asks, Age of Ultron, if Joss Whedon couldn't make it quite work, how will the Russos manage it with Avengers 3 and 4? And I do feel like Avengers 2 is something of an elephant in the room for this podcast that we haven't hit yet, particularly as I take at least two opportunities a year to do a podcast about comic book movies, and I love comic book movies. And I seem... Uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, so let's talk about Avengers 2 for a second. Sure. And, and let's just talk about that. the premise of that question. It, if, Avengers, if Joss Whedon couldn't quite make Avengers 2 work. I, actually, I would agree with that premise. I would say he couldn't quite make it work. It's definitely not bad, and to make a definitely not bad Avengers movie is trickier than making a definitely not bad Jurassic World movie. There are a lot of pieces uh, in an Avengers movie, um, you know, with all the franchises and new characters and such. Um, so, like just not falling on your face is like great and like if marvel movies are just okay that's plenty good for me i'm going to see them all forever but it did feel like it did i don't know it did it did feel like a bit of a letdown it felt like um there wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot of hate but there also wasn't a lot of enthusiasm around it and um that's kind of how i felt around it too and it does seem like i don't know how to make an i mean making avengers 1 not only okay, but actually, like the all-time classic that it is, I think was something of a miracle. And I don't, I, I don't know. Avengers Two makes it look like the template for how to make Avengers movies going forward uh, is going to be pretty difficult. Pat, what did you think?
1: I think I love. I, I like the Avengers a lot. I thought I thought gee, actually I a mean, good performance that I would have done. Like uh, if I had more, if I'd been more clever with my answers, would have been um, James Spader as Ultron. And yeah. I, I thought it was actually one of the best parts of the film. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like I, you know. I, I've had a conversation. I think we've talked about this before, but like, it seems like Marvel um, um, likes making their movies a little homogenous in ter- like, because of this universe, this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which is like, I, I understand why they do it, but like, I, I think that I think that you can only make so many movies in, that are in the same with so that are so like similar in like tone. Um, I feel like ever since, like, Iron Man, they've all kind of had the same, like, very funny, but really, and really good action sequences, and it's awesome, but, like, I don't know. I I do think that, like, it's the the concept of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think there's something about it that feels like they, they need to, like, someone needs to come in and, like, inject some, like, totally new blood or new,
0: like, Spin the universe in some other direction. Well, what just, I mean, it was just a year ago that we saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Did that not do it for you? I
1: I mean, I guess
0: a little bit. I mean, it certainly was weird. I
1: liked how weird it was. Like, it was almost like, it had almost like a... Um,
0: but a are you, but I think you're saying that Guardians of the Galaxy, even though it was different in that it took place in space, is, like, actually still kind of the same shit.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy definitely is, like, because it was so out, and it was such a crazy... I think it could have gone a little farther. But, yeah, I think that's maybe, like, a, a direction. That's, like, one... I would like to see more stuff like that. I don't know. They're just kind of like the same way. I mean, I don't read comic books, but like one thing when I go to comic shops and look at what the the bevy of them, it's fun to see like different artists take on the world and see how they I think that's what probably I am assuming that's part of what keeps them alive and keeps you into it. It's like, oh, this artist is doing this is covering Superman. What's his take on Superman? Like this is going to be like way different to look different. It's going to feel different, but still be the same character. Sure. Right, it's, no, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You, you have more freedom in comic yeah. books, for sure.
1: And I don't want to, like, you know... I mean, I haven't seen
0: Ant-Man's. So I don't want to read. And I think be, I, I think Marvel movies are... Again, they're... Well, I, I would say Ant-Man... Ant-Man is actually kind of the epitome of this. Because Ant-Man is the definition of definitely not bad to me. Ant-Man... Is goes down so easy. I mean, Paul Rudd is, you know, you know how Paul Rudd works. Like, it's a Paul Rudd movie. It's funny. Yeah. It's charming, but it's so skippable. It's so skippable. Like, right. if you're, if you have time and you're interested, by all means, watch Ant Man. If you are not, like, you do, you do not have to watch Ant Man for any reason whatsoever. And I liked it. I liked the movie, but like, it's really hard for me to recommend it and be like, you have to go see it. Um, you know, as long as we're quoting friends who have been on the podcast, uh, our old friend, Film Crit Hulk. Film Crit Hulk. Um, I've been taking mental notes on what my friends have been saying on movies all summer. Film okay. Crit Hulk had a great observation about um, Age of Ultron. And he said that... And this is like the most... my I, we're, we're, we're being pretty spoiler-free here, but I guess you could skip a minute if you're like... I, this is not really even a, like You know how Avengers ends, you know? Like, telling you how Avengers... T- talking about the, the flavor of the ending of Avengers is different than talking about the ending of the flavor of Ex Machina, you know? So... Yeah. Anyway, Avengers Two, the way the way it ends, it just makes you question like if there really are any stakes in the Marvel universe. Like this, it, it feels like there's no stakes anymore. You know, it feels like they're on autopilot, and um, it's it, it, it sort of threatens the whole franchise because like. You, it, every movie, like you just, I guess that's true of Mission Impossible too, though, you know? But that's something that is not true in comic books. In comic books, uh, like Captain America can definitely die. They'll bring him back in a year or two, but like he can be killed and like they can do something dramatic with him. And it doesn't feel that way in the movies. And that's starting to feel like a, pos- a problem. You know, you know um,. But- Know, I, what, one of the really what, cool part in Avengers, I do want to give that movie credit because I I've to, and this is like
1: this is a, a moment, and I, this I, this moment really got me in the movie. It's a testament, I guess, to Joss Whedon and and the writers and the, and the creators of that film, I guess, um, is that. And I, I don't read comics. I have no idea who. I I'd never. Vision is like a deep cut. I have no idea who Vision is. It's mm-hmm. not like that. He's that guy who comes into the third act. He's also a character that you introduce in the third act of the movie and are supposed to care about. But that, there's that part where he picks up Thor's hammer. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it got me. in Yeah, really that's a really great moment. That's the best moment of the movie. Totally.
1: And like I, but like I mean, you know, I saw it with a bunch of film comic book nerds, and they went ape shit. But yeah. I went ape shit too. And I have no, I had no reason right. to. It really got me like, which is pretty impressive. To like, I think for them, they re- they spent their entire lives reading Thor comics for that moment to matter. But he was able to do it in you know with uh, one or two movies beforehand, but really within that movie. So you know, I
0: think I, I think
1: you know, some I, I bet so, on the rewatch of that movie. Whole, I bet I bet on the rewatch. That there's a lot of cool stuff in that movie. Maybe it'll yeah, be-
0: I'm looking forward. I do want to. I do want to see that again. You know, uh, that was part that came out and then Mad Max came out I think two weeks later and then Tomorrowland which at the time was exciting came out the week after that so I never got to see it uh, I, I never got to see it again someone in the, th- in the comments just mentioned and I think they're right let me see who it was Nate Kimmy hey Nate uh, mentioned that they're doing it on the TV shows and talks about Daredevil which I absolutely loved and also I'm just catching up right now I'm only halfway through it uh, Peggy Carter Agents of Agent Carter, I guess, is the actual name of that show. That show's fucking good. It's real good, and um, so uh, both of those are exciting, and they're both uh, sort of different takes, you know, on the Marvel. They're doing different things on Marvel. Like I really enjoyed um, the way that the Dare. I mean, Kingpin from the Daredevil TV show. Uh, is probably the be- the second best villain in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe now after Loki, like a clear number two. Like, Loki and Kingpin are probably the only two decent ones, and I think a lot of it is because you get to spend so much time with Kingpin. But to loop back to the original question, I mean, the future uh, for the franchise, I, I don't know, like, if- you're right that if Joss Whedon can't do it, can the Russos do it? That's a great question because I have a lot of faith in Joss. I think he made a good movie. I- again, um, I-, I still don't think he's made a bad one, but um, it does... I. I- it does make me wonder about the future. Two things that give me hope are um, the Russo brothers' work on Civil War, which I think is uh, really, the more I think about it, um, probably the only Marvel movie that could challenge the Avengers for the title of best Marvel movie. Um, so, you know, I'm optimistic, and I guess we'll know more after we see Civil War what their take on Avengers 3 and 4 is going to be like. Um, but, yeah, the, the f- it's so funny. Are we past, like... Are we past peak comic book movie? I don't think. I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine we're not.
1: I mean, I think. I don't know.
0: I, I, part of me does think. I,
1: I, I've. I feel like there. To. I have this. In, I feel like it's possible. It's a bubble, and we, we have. You know, like in we they've they've they find their sort of they've sort of bought in for. Yeah. How do you know where audiences are going to be in 20, in twenty twenty? You know, yeah. they're saying. I don't know. Like I'm, I think I'm kind of losing interest in the genre a little bit.
0: Um, I, like, I saw that Valiant Comics, which it was a thing in the '90s when my comic book reading youth. Like, yes. Valiant Comics on like a nine picture deal with someone to make like, like Valiant was like kind of an upstart in the '90s, and like that is. I like your use of the word bubble there. That's very uh, that's very uh, symptomatic of bubble. Let's take one more question and, and then let's move on because we're, we're okay. so far behind here. Uh, oh, here's one. Did you see um, Kingsman? You said you were gonna watch that on a plane. Did you? You? I did not I didn't watch it. I didn't watch one the I so- an interesting one. I, w- I wish uh, you you'd have to see it. It's definitely a distinct movie. It's What yeah. was the question? Just did just, you see just, the- just yeah, it's not a summer movie but I, I wish said. I'd
1: seen it. My, my full disclosure this is my I saw so, way fewer summer movies this summer than I traditionally
0: have. I don't know why
1: that is exactly. I think maybe it's because we don't live in the
0: same city anymore. Mad
1: Max was so good. I didn't need to see anything else. Uh,
0: Let's let's take this one question, which is something we got to talk about anyway. Another kind of white elephant in the room that we have somehow avoided discussing thus far is Jurassic World. Did you see Jurassic World? First of all. I didn't see it. That is very surprising to me. I know because I, I, you know, if you would have given me a quiz, I feel like I know you pretty well. I would have said Pat's a huge Jurassic Park guy. I feel like Pat is. Am I wrong about that? No, not at all. I mean, I, I uh, my go to answer for.
1: I mean, when it's not asked, my favorite movie is. I don't have a good answer for that. But like, I've ta- I often my go to is Jurassic Park because it's certainly like it's like my King Kong. It's just like or my Gone with the Wind or something like that. It's just like. I saw it when I was like you know nine or ten or whatever. I was pretty young. It blew my mind. I was all I I was wanted to be a paleontologist for five years. It was just like it changed. It just was you know. It's I mean as a, as a, as you know I'm not alone. It was the highest stressing film of all time. It, it's it's inc- an incredible movie. Um, I love the seek. I even like this. I like part two. It was okay on part three, but like um, I think the reason I i feel like i don't know just even externally it just it looks like such a different movie than jurassic park i think that like jurassic it looked so sci-fi it looked so much more like polished in a weird way like jurassic park i think was so cool about it it's a michael you know the original one is based on this michael crichton novel and it has that like it feels believable it feels like it could happen that's that's michael crichton's whole thing obviously like I don't know. I think it was just the, the new one just seemed so... I, I think I wanted to see it. I just kind of missed the boat. And then, like, sometimes if you don't see that movie, the, the, a summer blockbuster that first weekend, you you kind of feel like you, it's not... It doesn't still call to you. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just sort of like... And also, like, Chris Pratt's character. I, I don't want to I love Chris Pratt, but, like with the motor he was so
0: cool in the motorcycle but like you didn't even see the movie you don't even know how cool he is <laughs> but like he Why? Kinda- that, that dude carries have- that movie <laughs> on his back you know <laughs> <laughs> kind of like he did with Guardians He's, like hit- a lot of that movie rests on his charm what were you saying I'm sorry
1: no but like then you look like-, like Jurassic Park though He really the first one like Chris Bart's so awesome he looks so cool and sexy and with a motorcycle driving badass in that movie but then, like, compared to the first one where it's, like, Sam Neill and
0: Laura Dern, like, yeah, yeah.
1: that's awesome. I think it's and, – yeah. and, it and,
0: whole... and Jeff Goldblum, by the way. How, did, Jeff... how, how was Jeff or, Goldblum yeah. briefly an action movie star in the 90s? What happened yeah, there? Yeah. <laughs> That and Independence Day. Yeah, what what happened? Like they got Jeff Goldblum in like the biggest movies of all time. I think,
1: I think people found him sexy. I, went, I don't know if you were there a couple of years ago. I went to like a landmark sunshine I to the Jurassic. There was a Jurassic Park. I wonderful. did go.
0: It was Vinny's birthday, I think, right? We all. That's went. right, Vinny's
1: birthday. And there was that scene. I didn't know this because I, I never occurred. Like there, he, the girl, every woman in the audience was, and, and so the guys were just like super. <laughs> Like hooting and hollering every time he came up. Especially there's that one scene. It's a very famous scene where like he's he's been injured and he's lying on the on that bench in like the equipment shed with his like shirt unbuttoned in with like the leather jacket and he's very sweaty and grimy. And that's the first shot of the scene. It's like the first and on that shot it was just it was like it was like seeing Magic Mike like with a bunch of drunk girls on a Friday. It was just like. Ooh. Wonderful. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I guess he's a sex symbol. And he kind of, if you watch Independence Day, he's like a sexy nerd. He was like a sexy nerd before being a sexy nerd was a thing.
0: Right, right, right. So, can I assume the, the next question on our agenda was actually, what movies did you miss this summer? Can I assume Jurassic Park was your answer for that?
1: Probably that. Yeah, you're right. I think I, I would have liked to have seen that, if, if nothing else, for the purposes of like this, this podcast. I guess I'm a little embarrassed. Like, I'm kind of a completist. I like seeing everything in a series. It, it just felt so, it felt so like separated. Um, I didn't see Spy, and I love, I like Paul Feig a lot, But yeah. so my, my choices
0: were going to be... I was going to pair the comedies together. Spy and uh, Trainwreck are both movies um, from people who I greatly admire and whose work I really enjoy, and it's just hard to go see comedies uh, in movie theaters, honestly. Like, it's really... Diff- I, I have trouble... I don't, and I don't know why, because you do laugh more in a crowd, you know? Like, if I watch Spy at Home, I will laugh less than if I saw it in the theaters and by the way everyone both those movies got like great reviews I'm sure they're both great Um, So it's hard But it's hard to say Like it's just more difficult For me to get excited About going to see A comedy in theaters Like at this point When I'm going to theaters I basically am looking For like explosions And I like stories You know And I feel like I'm getting that through TV I'm not like a total um, dingus But I uh, You know That's just like That's sort of my mode For going to the movies And like So when it's When I'm not seeing movies Like me and Earl And the Dying Girl Or whatever like Small indie movie came out I'm not even seeing movies Like Trainwreck Like even that's too quiet for me at this point, I'm, I'm like dead inside. You're yeah. like gonna scream at me to reach me, and maybe that's think, my fault.
1: No, I think I, I, I totally hear you. I think I like seeing. I, I I've gotten really since I moved to L. A. Because I, I think you tend to go out a little less out here just because you have to drive places. Um, I've really gotten. I've really joined the cult of iTunes and just buying buying movies on iTunes. And I think if I, I I I regret not seeing those, but I I I'm really excited. This sounds like a Backhanded compliment, or or this sounds like a backhanded compliment, or a I'm sure the people who made it would have loved if I had seen it opening weekend in support. But I, I do look forward to um the like the random Wednesday night when I'm like looking for I'm I'm assuming I'm just gonna have to watch some like Netflix sea level movie and I'm like oh wait Trainwreck's on I, I get a very good adrenaline jolt when like a bit, a movie is like as 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 that I'm ex- as excited about as Trainwreck but just for whatever reason did not make it out to in the theater is pops up on, uh, on iTunes. It's a really cool, like, so I think, I think that is, and I, I comedy to me is I, I enjoy it more when I'm just kind of like home chilling, like a little more low key. Also, you know, this is like a little snotty sounding, but like you can't like, I think I, I, all my friends are comedians. I'm a comedian. It's a little like too, Stressful to see movie comedy sometimes with, with friends who are also comedians because I think you're all a little hyper. Oh, it's hard to just totally let go of yourself. That's why I think we all love action movies so much. It's just like, it's so not me at all. It's so of a different
0: universe that like, it's just purely, it's pure enjoyment. You know what I mean? I, I want to move on to this next question because this question is the one that I'm the most excited about. Uh, this, is, this is really what I look forward to This to me is the biggest question of the, po- of the podcast And it is Which of these movies do you think will be remembered The most remembered The most well remembered I don't know what the exact question is Even though I'm so excited about it uh, In 20 years And this is the time of the podcast Where we like to look back a little And see what what, what happened this summer of 95 And I pulled that up and yeah, uh, so time. 1995 was, of course, the summer. Not as good as the summer of 94. I remember last year we were real excited about it. This year, uh, looking back 20 years, 1995 was the summer. You'll, you'll remember all these movies. Apollo 13, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Casper, Congo, Braveheart, Crimson Tide, Mortal Kombat, Waterworld, Waterworld, uh, Babe. We've been talking about Babe a little bit tonight. Species and the Net, not the best summer. Not the best summer.
1: I disagree. I think there's some really strong ones, and I think Die Hard Three is like arguably one of the best one. You could you could argue that's the best one of the whole series. I guess. I mean, obviously. That's the second best Die Hard. <laughs> I think some people prefer it to one. I, I yeah, prefer, yeah. is one. I like the riddles. What, what else? Thirteen. The fact that's a summer. It's a summer movie, or that was the, the sh- of the year.
0: It came out in the. Uh, according to my research, it came out in the summer.
1: Paul Trudeau is one of my dad's favorite movies, and I I I'm a huge fan of it. It's like, it's a sci-fi film that really happened. It's incredible. What else? Something that? that was Braveheart. I I like I still like Braveheart. I know it's like controversial. I but do not like Braveheart.
0: Congo. You know, all right, let's so so what what's the Congo? Uh, how do you of Braveheart. To, I don't like Braveheart. I don't like it at all. You know Nathan Raven. That speech. And, speech. Well, that speech is remembered. That speech is if you're talking about remembered in twenty years.
1: That speech it still happens. Yeah, I mean,
0: I know. It, the movie won Best Picture and, like, there's a lot of iconic... That movie... I don't know. David Raven did a really good write-up of that movie, kind of, like, looking back on it. Um, right, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. All right, so... But, so, I guess the question, then... And it's it's almost hard because it's crazy that I remember all those movies. Like, I could tell you the beginning, middle, and end of basically all of those movies. So, um, with that in mind, maybe maybe we need to set the bar higher at 30 years. What are the, Which of these movies is going to be, like, you know, staying power? That's what I'm really interested in. That, to me, is, like... Uh, where where things get really interesting, it's not like who makes the most money at the box office or whatever. Yeah. It's like what, what what stays in the culture and which of these do you think is going to stay in the culture?
1: That's a really hard question. I don't think any like very few because there are all so many. There's so many sequels, and I feel like it's hard for a sequel to be. A sequel really has to do something to like become. I, I don't know. I think that like. Like, maybe one of the comedies, like maybe like Trainwreck, or like I could see it becoming, like, or like, this is a, re- a weird answer, but like, I'm really into that comedy, Seven Days in Hell, the HBO movie, and I could see that becoming like a wet-hot American oh, summer. Oh, I should watch
0: that. That's interesting. I think
1: it's so funny. I haven't watched it. That sounds good. I didn't it, look good. It yeah, a wet-hot American summer. It's just like, because it's like complete, like, ridiculous. It's what it'll do anything for the sake of the joke, which is the kind of movie I love. Mm-hmm. And. I could see that becoming, like, a weird cult classic or, like, Trainwreck becoming a cult classic, but, like...
0: What about Mad Max? What
1: about Mad Max? I mean, that'd be my... In terms of the big release movies, that one would be my guess. It's just the fact that, like... I feel like it's more likely it'll be remembered as part of the Mad Max saga than as its own, even as amazing as it is, but maybe, certainly of the blockbusters, that one, I guess, would be my, my guess.
0: I want to just quickly mention that Eric Scroggin in the chat room uh, told us what thump- summer 30 years ago uh, was Back to the Future, Rambo 2, Cocoon. I heard that Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 5 is as old as Wilford Brimley in Cocoon, though I haven't fact-checked that. Really? Yeah. That's incredible! Uh, Goonies... Fletch, View to a Kill, European Vacation, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beyond Thunderdome, Team Wolf, and Silverado. That's a fucking summer. That's a summer. Um, I think I've seen more of those movies than I did of the 95 movies. Is that uh, weird? I, I want to say, I mean, I think Mad Max is one pick. And then I did the other one, my two, my, my two picks of the evening, Mad Max and Inside Out. And the reason I think Inside Out is going to be so well-remembered is because... It's one of those Disney movies that really, like, sneaks up on you, it gets real close, and then it just, like, knifes you in the gut when you're not yeah. expecting it. It's like, if you think back to your youth, I'm sure, like, what for you is a traumatizing Disney movie moment? Uh, everyone's got one, right? Like, it's
1: traumatizing and how sad it just was? Just like, can
0: you remember a Disney movie, that, Disney movie moment that really traumatized you? I feel like most people have one.
1: I mean, the, th- I, the, the Disney mo- I I didn't have like every Disney movie like on cassette, but the one I had that I liked the most was Aladdin. Um, And the whole third act of that movie is legit scary. I thought the whole like when Jafar sends him like in the, he sends the tower to like the arc to like the snowy like tundra. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. For me, it's uh, the Lion King when the, when the, the Lion... I mean, there's the Lion King when he uh, kills Mufasa. It's like, you know, it really... You, you just don't expect it because you're watching a Disney movie. Disney's, like, really associated with being safe and fun. So you bring your kids to it, and then, like, before it's too late, you realize that you are tr- traumatizing them for life with Inside Out, which is, like, a movie about sadness. Like, it's literally about sadness. And... um I just think that there's, like, a lot of little kids that will have seen Inside Out and weren't totally fully able to wrap their heads around it. Maybe they aren't able to abstract the idea that the emotions are characters and that when the emotions touch the console, like, there's a lot, there's, it's a extraordinarily high-concept movie. So maybe you can't wrap your head around all of it, but some of that sadness, some of the, um, some of the realness of that movie, it's gonna get in you, and in, like, 20 years, they're gonna be having this conversation about how, like, when they saw Inside Out and, uh, it made them aware of emotions, I think. Do they, like... I feel like, does... does cause you're kids should not be as in touch with their emotions as Inside Out is going to make them. That's that's what I'm getting at here. I know you're a big
1: Disney, like, nerd in terms of their... Like, including the parks and stuff, right? Yeah,
0: but I actually was at Disneyland a few weeks ago.
1: So, like, it feel. I, I guess I have a question for you, because I think this is part of what makes, like, the reason, like, Snow... I think a big part of why like, Snow White or, like, or... or even, or, you know, uh, or any of these, like, 90s Disney movies are so, like, stuck around is because of, like... They the rides. The rides are part of it. Rides and princesses at the parks and stuff and, like, princesses and whatever. Like, is that... Why is not Pixar capitalize on that? Do they not? Like, Is are we going to... Will, like, will a girl... Will, like,
0: actresses dress as Joy be at Disney... I don't know because I think Inside Out is not for all children to be honest like there I don't know what the age is but there is an age where you're going to be too young to understand that movie because yeah. it's, again it's just like a high concept movie and I think it's you know good on Pixar for doing that There is Pixar there's a lot of Toy Story at Disneyland a ton of Toy Story everywhere um But that's pretty much the main representative, which is a little surprising. I guess the thing, though, is that Frozen is such a behemoth, and there's just Frozen everywhere. And, like, everything there is just Frozen, Frozen, Frozen right now. Um, so there's less... So I don't know. I, I actually don't know that Inside Out's going to make a huge impact on the parks. But, like, I just see it as the kind of movie that, like, people use as, like... Um, as almost, like, a teaching tool to, like, talk to kids about emotions just for years. It's such a unique, like, special... I, just special fucking movie um, that I really think it's gonna, like, have an impact on kids and that's it's gonna stick with them.
1: It, well, it seemed, like, kind of straddle the line between... It, it, it was both, like... It had one foot in old Disney, which is, like, there's princesses and, like, it, it really hit that. And, like, it, the it is very elegant and magical and, like, it's something you could totally turn into, like, a, a little fantasy land at Disney World... While at the same time, it, it, it had a maturity in its storytelling that is a, of a Pixar caliber. Uh, so it, it was made, which is, it, it, it was a successful brew because the movie was such an enormous hit. And can I ask you a question? Yeah, um, yeah. Are you aware of, and if so, what do you think about it? I had dinner or brunch with a friend who was really into Disney stuff, and they, they told me that there is talk of turning cinderella's castle into uh, like elsa's like frozen castle like to remodel it do that's you feel that's, like that's just like the march of progress or it, like keeping up with times or is that like is that is that a heresy
0: i guess it bothers me a little i try not to get too worked up about that but like it's the i feel like that castle is just so iconic it feels a little crazy to like i mean it's it's the logo of the film company you know it feels like yeah. a really big deal to knock down just build the fucking castle somewhere else by the way i let me quickly put in a plug for disneyland because they really need it i was at disneyland a few weeks ago and i went to the night parade they have a new night parade and it's amazing it's like burning man for children like all the characters come out in like these cool future costumes like covered with lights it's like it's i was very impressed by the by the night yeah. parade all right let's move on uh, to my, another another classic category, another fan favorite. This one, dealer's choice. Just talk about any movie you want, or anything anything we didn't hit yet. Did we not have we not talked about anything that you've been waiting to uh, bring up?
1: Well, I guess this could have been the time. I, all, any of my answers are going to be like really, you know, like n- nerd, like not. They're not blockbusters, but I think they're... I mean, Seven Days in Hell, I'll pl- I'll, I'll plug that to the moon and back. I really, really liked it. I thought it, it really just got me. It was like... What, it just reminded me of the first time I watched about Hot American Summer. Just like jokes all over the place, really weird kind of... And, I, you know, there was a documentary called The Wolf Pack. Did you see that one? I did, not I did not see The Wolf Pack. I heard it was great. It's about these like six brothers. It's just a, a really weird documentary, but like kind of like these six brothers who like were raised in a this Harlem tenement or this Harlem, like, housing project, but they made their own movies inside their, their apartment. It was just a kind of very – just so, like, fast – you know, you, You'll you, if you just start it, you'll watch the whole thing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good. I've been wait- – that's another one where I wasn't going to go see in theaters, but I'm very excited to check it out at home. Uh, for me, the movie I've been waiting to bring up is Tomorrowland and – uh the reason I want to bring it up is because if I don't talk about it now, then I basically saw it for no reason. Because I certainly derived no enjoyment from it. Uh it Tomorrowland was like the real uh, uh, kind of as disappoint I shouldn't say I derived no enjoyment from it. There's a
1: anti inside out.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's there are moments of it. Um when they first get to Tomorrowland it's pretty like the vision of Tomorrowland is at, is at times exciting and um, the the kind of siege on George Clooney's house that was in the trailer is actually incredible. It's a shame it's stranded in such a not a great movie. That is as disappointed as I've been in a movie in a long time because I was, you know, Brad Bird is such a track record over um, not only his Pixar work but The Simpsons and Mission Impossible 4. Um, it seemed like it looked, the trailers looked cool. Um, it's oh, It's almost, it's almost an original movie it's 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 as close as, it's basically as close as you can get these days to being an original idea it's just based on the, the name of the land of the Disney theme park and man it is I gotta file this one under definitely not good it's really not good and this is another movie that just straight up does not make sense first of all it does the thing you were talking about before it opens with like George Clooney talking to the camera and he's like we gotta start let me let me tell you what's going on 10 years ago. And then the, from off camera, someone's like, you got to go back even further than that. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, so there's like what there's something 10 years ago. There's something from further ago. And like also it's like, why is he addressing us in the ca- like, who is who is he talking to? Uh, so there's like all sorts of I guess that last part's all right. But basically, it's it's got a lot of prologue. And there's two real problems with that movie. One is that it it just doesn't make sense. Like, I'm a reasonably intelligent adult. I should, like, walk out of the movie and be able to describe the plot, you know? Like, and it's just, like, it's one of those movies, like, you kind of get, like, they're running around. You kind of know what they're trying to do. But, like, when you actually take a step back, you're like, well, why did they do the thing? And when I talk about movies not making sense, like like I mentioned with Fast and the Furious 7, like in Fast and the Furious 7, Jason Statham shows up out of nowhere at the party and like he's like, you know, I heard a lot of people compare him to the the Wile E. Coyote, like the way he just like pops up. That's fine. Like cartoon, like logic is cool, but like I need to know like why anyone is doing anything or what the basic, you know, like what anyone, like what is the engine that is actually moving these people forward? And I think that's missing from Tomorrowland. The other problem is it takes itself so seriously. Like it is, So up its own ass and it's got like you see the main uh female protagonist basically uh, i i I actually regret not remembering her name because she was pretty good in it and she um you see her as a little kid and judy greer is her mom by the way what is it with can can, what is with movies wasting judy greer like yeah she I, i feel like she passes through so many things thanklessly and she's so funny um so she's in this movie for 10 seconds there's this little girl um, who's gonna be the main character, and you see like this like flashback of her uh, looking at the stars, and she says she wants to go to the stars, and her, her mom off camera is like, "What if you get up there and there's nothing?" And she's like, she looks at the camera, and there's like a little Moppet girl, and she's like, "What if there's everything?" And it's supposed to be like this like really like big inspiring moment and I feel bad being cynical about the movie because the movie in a way is about like not how everyone's too cynical I think like that's what they were trying to get at, is like we need more positivity and like more hope and optimism so it's a little weird to shit on it but boy it's really not a very good movie
1: yeah it's such a it, I think what's fascinating is that it's um I feel like uh, there was a similar level I think I think they suffer a little bit from um, I haven't seen them, so I can't really. I and mean, you see both of them, so you know the actual thing. But like both this and um, because Pixar is so they're so revered for their storytelling skills. Um, I think a similar thing happened when um, um, John Carter of Mars came out, which was uh, Andrew Stanton's first mm-hmm. live action, big huge live action, you know, opus. And like, and I think that movie I didn't see it. and I, I heard it was yeah. You know, I heard makes, I heard it wasn't great or anything. I not like, it, but like. I think it was made a little worse by the fact that, like, he was in, like, there was a profile in the New Yorker, he did a TED Talk, and it was like, it it was just, you couldn't imagine him, it wasn't just overhyped, and like, this movie's gonna be awesome, it was like, like, this meant he gets story, this is going to be brilliant, this this, this movie, and it it definitely was, like, impossible standards, Um, so I think that, like, I think it's kind of a shame, because I think these guys are doing huge swings, and... You're, you know, I, I have so much respect I mean, you, you, we both love sci-fi and I love I actually love like crazy ambitious like some sci-fi that sometimes doesn't make sense I like Prometheus like it doesn't get you. Yeah. like and that is not a popular opinion so. I'm
0: trying to articulate the, the not making sense of it because Prometheus doesn't make sense in sort of a cosmic way whereas like this movie like Prometheus kind of knows it doesn't make sense this movie right. like thinks it's very simple Tomorrowland yeah. does I, I feel like I've mentioned this theory before that there's
1: never been a good steampunk movie. Now maybe Mad Max Fury Road qualifies. I don't think I don't think it's quite the same. Mad John Max Therese. is
0: is an exception. Mad Max gets accepted because it invented steampunk or largely invented steampunk. It invented a lot of steampunk anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's not quite the same thing. Like I think Tomorrowland. Well, Tomorrowland. It, can, it
0: seems like it's very. It's trying to uh, it's be not like, steampunky retro- at all. Futuristic, right? Yeah, there is a retrofuturism in it though.
1: I think that's as I think that's like steampunk. It's retrofuturism is kind of thing that like exists better as like a coffee table book than as an actual. <laughs> that's so funny. Because I think it's it, possible. That's possible. Well, it, it, once you start thinking about it for more than five, like how nice it looks, it doesn't feel real. I don't know yeah. I haven't seen Tomorrow And I love Brad Bird So I, I, I'm reticent To criticize him uh, an, Another he,
0: retrofuturism movie That really let me down uh, A decade ago Was Sky Captain And The World of Tomorrow I was so wow. excited About Sky Captain And The World of Tomorrow of And it's not good at all That's an older one I don't think we knew Each other
1: with that kid No I was, no
0: It's it's 10 years old easily Sure we would have Saw that together <laughs> Yeah yeah For sure for sure
1: I mean I thought It was like ambitious um, And I think the way They filmed it Is kind of interesting I think there was just
0: some kind of retrospective of that. Like how they, Did you read some article about that recently? Like I did see something about it. and It was the first time I thought about it since I left theaters, like crushingly disappointed. I remember getting like promotional material for, for it, like at a comic con or something and like saving it. Cause I was like excited yeah. to have like a cool sky captain postcard. Uh, I want to quickly, that, even 10 years ago, like, t-
1: like now, like the, 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 the gates are open. Like make your sci-fi as crazy as possible. People are like, like we're saying, like, Marvel mo- like, like Marvel films are boring at this point. So, like, there's a lot of license to make some weird stuff, which I think is super exciting. Or to make, like, diff- you know, like, step one was just getting sci-fi mainstream, period. Now step two is going to be, like, making good sci-fi right, or, like, right. really good sci-fi or really brilliant sci-fi. So I'm totally open to it. Um, even, like, something but Sky Captain. But I don't know. That Sky Captain seems like, yeah, like, don't be... I like Black Mirror, you know, like if you're going to be if you're going to do science fiction, like look forward, you know?
0: Yeah. Black Mirror is so smart. There's so many episodes of that. There's so many things on that show that I think about all the time like that show really stuck with me like it really made an impact on me And I know yeah. this is movies but man Black Mirror is you know
1: good i me being Black Mirror a little bit I am I'm, I'm, I'm and I know you're a huge fan of this I'm a little behind I'm, I'm now caught up and I love the show but uh, Rick and Morty to me always reminds me of Black oh uh, yeah and you know like, Rick and Morty's back yeah what were you we going to say you know every episode you're going to get some really good, almost every not every episode but they're all good but like a lot of the episodes are like, they like the are, You're going to get some really, a really, really cool like Twilight Zone-esque what if, you know?
0: Rick and Morty, I'm so excited it's back and I'm watching it and I've seen the first two now. That's all that's aired and it is, uh, I, I, that show like I have to watch it once for the jokes and once for the sci-fi like it, and we, yeah. I talked about this when uh, Justin Roiland who makes the show was on this podcast like you could take the jokes out of that show and it's still pretty good they had one episode uh, there was a, a gag in this week's episode about a video game um, at this like Extra-dimensional arcade, and it's like a virtual reality helmet, and you live an entire life. I love that. And, and, and you, so you saw this. So like, yeah. you see, he like wakes up from his dream of being Morty, and like he's in this other. And it's it plays out for like a solid minute or so, and he's almost he, he has cancer, he's gonna die, but he beats it, and he like, and you see his whole life, and then it emerges, and and he's like new high score, like, uh, and everyone has seen what he did, and just that concept, like you could make that a movie, like the idea of a video game of life that you can like play over and over for a different high score yeah and then Morty's like
1: <laughs> morty like clearly morty had just lived like 80 years
0: yeah yeah like inception style like, like, he like he like went he, up a level and, and that's like one that's not what the episode's about that's one joke in the episode but that's super
1: black mary like very very I mean yeah yeah mary does a lot of stuff with like i don't know if it's like the christmas special but there's a lot of oh, like. i love
0: the christmas special
1: the concept of like time dilation is a big part of that of that christmas special he should speaking of movies that guy uh, I love your that podcast with him, by the way. That's a great interview. That you no, thank did. you. Uh, but he that talk about someone who should write a movie. If he yeah.
0: Has uh, all right. I think I think we've covered everything we came here to say. Oh, I want to quickly thank the chat room for kind of drawing a circle around my Judy Greer is being wasted everywhere argument. It is Jurassic World. Where did it go? Jurassic World, Ant Man, and Tomorrowland. And last summer she was. Uh, she was one of she was like the mother ape who was sick the entire movie and um, oh wow um, the what was the second Planet of the Apes called Revenge of the Planet of the Apes whatever the, whatever the yeah. more recent Gary Oldman Planet of the Apes movie was she was like a really thankless role in that so it's good that like people recognize they should be hiring Judy Greer like now we just got to get her in like uh, a more prominent role I heard that TV show she's on is uh, a nice spotlight for her married married yeah. All right, let's move on. Q&A, let's wrap, let's let's bring it on home. Uh, you know, someone asks, uh, and I wouldn't mind talking about this, that they missed the Dissolve, they know I do too, and it's been a month, and it feels weird to finish a movie season without it, which is not really a question, but I do think it's worth uh, mentioning, because, God, I love the Dissolve. I quote it all the time. Um, Keith Phipps, who started the site, was on um, this podcast right before the site launched, and like I felt like, That was as excited as I've ever been for an interview uh, on this show. I was like, I felt like it was a huge get for me. I was so excited about that site. It lived up to the hype for years. And I actually wonder if a reason that I don't have more pleasant surprises um, this summer is because the dissolve went away, and they're the people that usually like turn me on to the fact that like you know John Wick is worth seeing, or It Follows is worth seeing, or uh, what was that weird sci-fi movie with Matt Dillon with um, the time travel. Uh, from Not Matt Dillon, uh, with uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, with Ethan Hawke. What was that movie called? Uh, you you told me
1: about it I saw it or that movie or <laughs> also
0: the weird time travel movie with Xander from Buffy what was that one called Coherence like these are all yeah, like awesome. Like I, I actually the Dissolve was so thoroughly where I got my movie news and reviews and opinions from that like I'm a little lost without it like I know Mission Impossible 5 came out and I should probably go see it And uh, but like getting turned on to those little movies like I don't know how I'm gonna find them anymore Ninja 2 Shadow of a Tear another great movie I've recommended on this podcast many times um, that I first yeah, learned about the other I think it,
1: it. I think like I think it, it, it. Totally was in the same exact wavelength as as you and I were in yeah. terms of it. It wasn't. It was a little film snobby, a little like treat, it, it, but it treated all movies kind of. E- it was film snobby, but like every movie was fair game. Every movie was yeah uh, had the potential to be as good as other movies. Yeah, yep. kind of weird. They took and every it wasn't movie very ir- seriously. It wasn't an ironic love of bad movies. It was like it would call a bad movie a bad movie, but it also. But they would, call, know, they would also know, call it, like, like, a pretentious... John a perfect example. I never in a million years would have seen that movie if they didn't recommend it.
0: But all... Not, so not only would they're not afraid to call John Wick a great movie, but they also are not afraid to call, like, a pretentious indie movie bullshit, you know? Like, yeah. they took... They approached every movie really seriously, and I'm really going to miss it. I, I, I... And I'm still, like, i really, coo-
1: They have a lot of really cool features and stuff, and and also a beautiful... Like, such a well, nice, nicely done website. Like, it was both... I feel like websites can either be like aesthetically beautiful or be easy to navigate, and this one was both, which I think is a really hard. You know, as you and I both know better than anyone, like it's very hard to do both, and this one totally did both.
0: I really feel uh, I really feel lost in cinema without them, and I feel like why I've, it's a reason I have less to talk about this uh, this summer movie review. And I I honestly keep waking expecting to wake up and like it's back up again. Like I still haven't totally adjusted to the fact it's not going to be there. Uh, another question. Is Pat and Jeff, which is one of your islands of personality. This is a reference to Inside Out. I would say, after I saw Inside Out, I've probably stopped now. But for about a month after I saw Inside Out, like I was thinking about it on every single day. Like I'd see someone react and be like, "Oh, there was a little bit of fear and disgust in that," or I'd do something myself and like recognize that there was anger and fear in it, or whatever it was. You know, like I really. I, it, it, it affected I was thinking about it just in my day to day life so I feel like I should be more prepared to answer this question in the movie the islands if you somehow for some reason didn't see it and are still listening to this podcast where we basically talked about nothing else um, the islands of personality in that movie are like the major components of the personality of the brain that you're in and in the movie um, the main character has hockey island because she's really into hockey she has is goofball island because uh, she's very silly what, what would be in your brain Pat what are some of your islands some of my islands. Um,
1: that is a. That's. I mean. That's a deep question. That's a. I. That's a good question. Um, let me try to think about it. This is a little different than this is a little different than talking about John Wick. But uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think I have probably have a... I, I definitely have a goofball island for sure. Um, I think I have a. In terms of, like, I don't know my hockey island. My hockey island is probably movies. Out Like, that is my hobby more than anything else. It was uh, cool. I think what's so fascinating, I, I just to, not to deflect the question, but I did think the island's personality really kind of won me over as a plot device because originally I thought that, like, it felt, in the beginning of that movie, it felt, like, a little clunky. Like, I didn't totally get the mechanics of it. And I was like, why is this have to be this way? But I think it totally is true. I think what was amazing about that is how, like, when, once she became kind of depressed or sad, you know, once Joy was sucked away and she was sad because of the move, like, the fact that the personality, parts of your personality started, like, dying away, I think is such a, they did their research, and I think that is definitely a component of, like, depression is, like, you lose interest in the things that you used to be interested in. And so, in practice, I was, like, it was incredible, like, the fact she just didn't want to play hockey anymore, she didn't enjoy being goofy anymore. I thought that was such an amazing, like, it, you know ultimately it was an incredibly like sophisticated uh, breakdown I think of of when you're depressed you know what I mean um I'm sorry that's not I, I know that wasn't the question it's just like um, I'm just by virtue of bringing that that part of that movie up I, it, it's uh it came it just was on my head uh, but yeah definitely movies and TV shows being a goofball I like I like talking to people as obviously as you do I, I think conversations are big I like, yeah, you're, you're right. I like to
0: very like going out,
1: and having a drink, and talking to people—just social. Beer Island. Beer Island, yeah, dude, you know it. Um, it's the normal things like my family, my friends, my job—like all those things are important to me, and like they're all important to me, and they're all fueled by different emotions and di- where I am in my life. So much like uh, what's her face from the movie, Riley.
0: Yeah. For me, I would say that it was—you know—a lot. We have very similar islands. That's probably why we're good friends. Um, But one I think I have that I've recently recognized is I've kind of made this move into video and, you know, live streaming like we're doing right now as I speak these words um, is like I love trying to make things work like I just really like tinkering and like I often say when I invite um, people like when I invited you to do this and when I invited Hallie and Owen to, do, uh, to play video games and livestream that last week, that it is not a Jeff Rubin production unless there's some technical element of it that's, like, just barely working. You know that better than anyone. Like, I love just, like, trying to make computers do weird shit they're not supposed to do and, like, just yeah. troubleshooting it and, like... Really getting finicky with it, and then also ultimately like trying to do something creative and fun with it, and, like not just do it for doing its sake, but like trying to harness that. What is the name for that island? Tinkering Island, perhaps? Just like Loser Island? I don't know. But
1: um, I mean, I think like Gizmo Island, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's or something gizmo me- from the, that movie. Lives. Never mind. Doesn't
0: matter. That weird uh, Gerard Butler movie that we saw.
1: I think you're. Totally oh, right. I thought you were going to say
0: Gizmo from Gremlins. You meant Gizmo? What was that movie called oh, with Jamie gizmo. Fox? Law-abiding citizen. Law-abiding citizen. That is a, That was a crazy movie, by the way. I forgot all about that movie. You, also, uh, Gizmo was not the name of the character in that movie. We just called him Gizmo because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he just um, like set death traps everywhere. Also, the line like he
1: there was like this really serious moment where the like he's an evil fuck, but like he makes Gizmos. I mean, just thought the word Gizmo is very funny.
0: Yeah, because um, the, the movie is about, like the movie. Also, just to give people context, is like a. Thinks it is a very serious study of the nature of legal justice, but also like uh, one of the main characters should be called Gizmo. So.
1: Uh, I think I, I would totally agree with that. I think like I mean I remember Bleep Loop, which I, I assume some people listening to this are familiar with. Um, I feel like for the first for the most of that the run of that show. It involved some weird, like, box that you had to buy that, it's like... That's true. I gotta tell you, yeah, there was... like, a- I've never seen that device before. Or, it was, like, for game capping, but sticking up, and it was kind of maybe a little before...
0: Totally, because I, I, I just bought something to do this now because I'm, you know, recording video game footage again, and, like, it is so easy now, and I almost want to fly you across the country to show you how easy it is to do now, like... So many things that used to be so arduous for us. There's like actually, like there was no product built for doing that. Whereas like recording what was video that game hot footage was called. Is, what was that do- I don't about? know. It was like actual. The thing is now you can buy. Um, there's like consumer software or there's consumer hardware that's like sold on Amazon uh, that's like meant for doing exactly this for recording video game footage. But at the time that didn't really exist, so we used like actual production equipment. It was like news production equipment. It was
1: so big, like yeah, was by, big. by the by the standards of like in a day where like everything is small like my phone which is probably more powerful than that box was even is so small it was like it was like the size it was just a it felt like we were like it felt like something like broadcast news or something it was like
0: true and no one knew my job security was that no one else knew how to work it so anyway my point just to bring this back to movies just that like i think i got a tinkering island i think if like my joy and sadness go run amok and like destroy it um, you might start, you'll, you'll just see less Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin work on my YouTube channel. You're also,
1: and I feel like, well, you also, not to, you know, not to try and break you down or anything, but I think like you would, I think you do have a lot, like, if, 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 if you go micro enough, I feel like I'm very omnivorous, um, I feel like you have, and you are too, but I think you also have, there are certain very specific things that you're very, very into, in a way that I'm not, like, like, uh, pizza and video games, for example, um, mm-hmm. so I would say are slightly narrower topics than, like, just, like, all of television or something like that, um, so I, I would say, you know, I could say, like, a pizza island in your, in your, in oh,
0: your... Oh, i love to visit Pizza Island. You know what was a great part of that movie, the, when they go into the abstract thought briefly, is just like, by the way, here's a cool little art scene we had that'll make you think about everything. I mean,
1: that's, that, to me, That the whole movie is, it's the only movie, I think, is that, like. it's by far their most expressionistic film not just that scene the whole film like Toy Story as crazy as it is I know what a toy looks like I know what you know what I mean like even Monsters Inc like it's all very tangible and they're just monsters this was like I don't even I feel like when you watch that movie you're not meant to take anything like as literal like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're not looking at matter you're looking at like just this expression of what your thoughts look like, and that's why it was such a, which I thought was very bold and kind of crazy and weird, but I think ultimately successful. Right, right, right.
0: Uh, you know, I got. I feel like we did it. I feel like. Do we have any any other movies? Any other, any final thoughts to get out there? Ah,
1: uh, God, I don't know. I
0: mean, I don't. I feel pretty. I, you know, I, I feel good, but I got to say, between you know, Daredevil, um, uh, BoJack Horseman. And some other shows I feel like uh, Rick and Morty Like I almost feel like We're going to be doing Summer TV reviews soon Like I think there might Actually be more TV shows That I've been super enthusiastic About lately More uh, more than movies this summer Is that possible?
1: No totally I mean Rick and Morty I think I, I No certainly I think that's It is totally possible Did Mad Men end In the summer? Uh, I was like April May, maybe So yeah maybe That, that I, I enjoyed that, I mean I, I could talk I could do a whole podcast About that Those last episodes I was so I love that finale For the record
0: Uh, well let's do that another time anytime I love it Uh, this was Pat great having you it's unfortunate not being in the same room with you I feel like we're we're, you know uh, it's a a bit of a change but the live streaming element was very fun thank you everyone who tuned in and asked questions and filled us in on what movies were wasting Judy Greer Um, that was very different I think we can do that again Uh, Pat what's going on anything to plug
1: Um, anything to plug specifically uh, obviously collegehumor.com At Patrick Patrick underscore castles is my Twitter account. Um, If you're in the Los Angeles area, come on out to College Humor Live this Saturday at UCB Sunset. It's a really fun one. A lot of cool cool people performing there. John Milheiser from SNL, from formerly we'll be there beyond that. No, no, those are the main things I would
0: say. Um, you know, I was also thinking about just things we used to do that are now easier. Uh, live streaming is one too. Remember like we used to like live stream those college humor shows and like, you'd have to book it a month in advance and like someone would have to come and like bring equipment. Like I'm broadcasting this out of my laptop and it took 10 minutes to set up, you know, Pat, thank you as always for, uh, coming by talking movies. This was uh, anytime. This was
1: so much fun. I enjoyed
0: it. I feel like I
1: have a better understanding of, of, the movies I saw this summer. It was nice to talk through it. I hope I was, uh, I feel like I was more analytical than funny, but I enjoyed it.
0: Now, you know what's fun about this one is that usually we already know what each other thought about all the movies, but, you know, due to the 3,000 miles between us, I felt like I actually uh, got to, you know, we were, I feel like the previous summer movie reviews were actually just we are just redoing conversations we've already had in front of a microphone. This time, uh, we were actually talking. So thank you again so much, Matt. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me, man. Take care. Thanks everyone to wa- for watching.
0: Look, I think we both know what has to happen here, so let me just get it out of the way. YouTube.com slash Jeff Rubin. Jeff Rubin. you got to check it out. Tons of great videos. Well, there's like two. But one of them uh, is the uh, original broadcast of the podcast that you just listened to. You can find a link to the YouTube channel as well as my Twitter, my Facebook, the YouTube channel, my email address, past episodes of this show, the YouTube channel. It's all at Jeff Rubin, Jeff I hope to see you there. Uh, either way, I'm going to see you in two weeks here's something i haven't had a chance to say in a while i'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of this podcast i will see you there or at jeff rubin, jeff rubin show.com where the jeff rubin jeff rubin brand has been extended into video and is now officially a transmedia experience all right i'm gonna stop talking thanks so much for listening i'll see you guys in two weeks Bye.